please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. got a new hat you got a new hat what's it look like it's a mesa boogie hat is it oh that's cool oh oh <laughs> um that's the new base of boogie line right yeah i mean it goes great with my uh <laughs> la mesa back here la mesa uh, which, which is literally the mesa right yep. um and i i've been trying to climb to the top of this thing for a while it's just not working out so hot um yeah I'm not a I'm not a mountain climber or anything like that. No. I actually don't hate this. I've been wearing it around, so I don't I don't really care. I mean, people are like, "What's funny is you have every- the white version of this one. You have the same hat." That people, that's what's funny. So yeah, we have to well, we have to give a shout out to the listener that sent it to you. Yeah, this was uh, this was John Bott's um, shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> I call it shenanigans on this, um, but but more power to him you know if you guys want me to wear extremely silly ridiculous stuff on the show just send it to me jim will give yeah. you my address yeah um <laughs> i'm gonna actually probably at some point during the show put this on top of la mesa where it belongs because you know yeah. it's above um la mesa <laughs> it is, uh, i just uh i think people tend to think because i'm not like a big fan of what's going on at mesa boogie right now in the sense, or not Mesa Boogie, in, in Gibson right now, in the sense that, like, I haven't seen the big turnaround that is, is probably coming. Um, I think people yeah. make the mistake of meaning that, like, I hate Gibson or something like that. And I've owned Gibsons. Well, I've owned yeah. one Gibson. And I've yeah. owned Epiphones and stuff before, too. Like, I don't really necessarily hate what they do. I, I just, like, I have a hard time buying a narrative from uh, a company that's run by a board of directors. Yeah. And and uh, and a CEO and that whole thing. In fact, I actually um, I pointed out to John this week that I bought stock in KKR Holdings, which is the company oh, yeah, that yeah. owns uh, yeah. Gibson. Yeah, um, and well. we were talking. I think you and I were talking about Fender, and it's worth mentioning. Like we were like, well, I wonder what other brands the holding company that owns Fender has. And we went, we looked, and it's like they own like Harley Davidson, yeah, and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah. oh my god, it totally makes sense now. That's why it's all turning into a lifestyle brand. Um, so it is what it is, I guess. I, just... I think it's funny, you know. So everybody, uh, you'll notice that David's camera angle is different. My camera angle yeah. is different. I actually need We're... to change mine because I'm looking at my screen, which is normal. It's fine. But normally, because like right now, I'm looking at the camera. Um, but I have to set my gooseneck up, and I just didn't. So today was Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I posted last week's episode today, so you guys are seeing it today. Um, And I did a rant and rave last week, and I'm going to do another rant and rave this week. Um, I'm going to rant about other stuff. Um, I think Jim's rants are going to become a thing. Um, we got a so, we got a couple of good things to cover on this episode, though, and yeah. and, and we've got a couple you know, of things to talk about as far as like you you're using another camera, you're using your DSLR, right? 
No, actually, that's sitting on my desk right now. I'm waiting oh. on. Uh, I got to get a battery power uh, source for this, so it goes in the battery compartment and the cable runs out, which is pretty standard for DSLRs. And then yeah. I'll start using that right now. This is just my iPhone. So. Oh yeah, um, that's right. You. That's a cheat. That's a cheat for using the GoPro. I'm using my GoPro right now in the beta um, mode. Uh, so. Uh, for people that don't know, um, I'm using uh, a GoPro in uh, capture mode, which is in beta. You got to have a GoPro eight black or nine. Yeah, or higher, um, right? Or higher, and you got to have at least uh, firmware two point or higher. Um, it seems to be working well. Uh, I did a test earlier today. Sent David a screenshot to show how good it looks, I, and I can tell you, regardless of how good this looks. The video from this thing is amazing. I mean, amazing. Uh, it, it's uh, it helps that I have two 4K screens, but um, the fact that it shoots such smooth 4K video um, and it doesn't get compressed because, unfortunately, with my iPhone, and you're going to show me how to do the iPhone thing to computer because yeah, with my at some iPhone, point we're gonna... I, I yeah. it has to go from the iPhone. I have to wait for it to get to the cloud. Which it does its own good gosh darn time, right? Then I have to download it from the cloud. Then I have to massage it. Then I have to re-upload it. So it's been it's been compressed two or three times in the process, which means you lose because uh, the iPhone video is great. But well, actually, if you're if you're getting it from iCloud, you're getting the original copy that comes off your phone. It's not being compressed multiple times. Oh, the well, thing is, uh, the codec that they use for compression of video on the iPhone sucks and the codec that's used in filmic is much better. Yeah. Um, I haven't shot. You can actually, filmic, you can, so you can adjust it. You can go to filmic extreme. Now my phone will actually, uh, the, the phone I had prior to this one, the one I smashed to pieces, um, had, uh, filmic. I had filmic on it and I could do extreme, but it would only last for like four minutes and it would freeze. Um, but I can do extreme on this one. No problem. Thing is, those video codecs are really just, I mean, if it's, if even, uh, I was going to ask you if you're getting off the GoPro, if you're getting MPEG or, um, you know, MP4, uh, that is an encoded format. It's H yeah. two sixty four encoded. And that's pretty standard. That yeah. would be something that would be lossy. You're not going to get raw or anything, any, any sort of raw pro res or anything like no, that coming no, out no. of, um, coming off a of GoPro. It's no. still encoded, but it's just good encoding. Yeah. Like the quality yeah. of encoding matters. Yeah, it's um, H24. I know that for a fact. Yeah, 264, right? Yeah. Well, that's pretty yeah, standard. H264, yeah. yeah. I've had a lot. So if you guys didn't know, I moonlight sort of in during my day job as a as a kind of videographer for the company I work at. And um, I do a lot of video editing. I'm an IT guy, right? But for some reason, that I had these skills. And so now I, I have to travel sometimes and shoot stuff. And it gets pretty crazy. Um, but... I've learned a ton about stuff that I had no interest in um, yeah. and understanding. So like I can totally appreciate when I watch Paul David's channel, like the videography in Paul David's channel is absurdly good. His And I don't his know if he's doing his video for him, but it's just I know level. his I know his girlfriend or whatever does some of it because um, she's she's done some of the outdoor shots for him. Um, and he's mentioned it in the past. But what I love is he used like a lot of his outdoor stuff. He'll throw that's going to be my next big purchase. He'll throw a drone out there and he'll do drone shots and the drone tracking and everything. Yeah, um, I got a guy's got a drone. 
Yeah, he's obviously into videography, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty cool. I I I um I give him uh, I give him props. So um, I'll let you take this back over because I know you were the one that was uh, starting this conversation. Well, yeah, for me, um, <laughs> I'm trying to fight. Say I'm trying to fight technology. Uh, screw it. Um, uh, for me, um, so uh, I started doing a uh, what do you call it? A um, a rig rundown of my own gear and I'm trying to go through my choices. And I, at first I thought, okay, I'll shoot it as one rig rundown thing. Like there's my guitars. And I'm like, everybody knows what guitars I have. I'm not like one of these guys is, Oh, here's my 14th favorite guitar that uh, yeah. I never play, but I'm going to convince everybody. I play all the time. Um, Wait, that's not I, your favorite Jim. Yeah. I can't believe that this guitar that, that there was a guy who did this, uh, uh, I can't believe one. it's not butter. He's yeah. He actually plays guitar for Asia. So I, I don't remember what his name is, but is he the guy that replaced Guthrie Govan? I don't know. Asia's been through so many people since the only guitar player I cared about, which was Steve Howe, started it, um, and maybe the guy after him. But when he went back to, to well, I mean um, Guthrie Govan yes. is uh yeah that, that yeah, that's Guthrie a name Govan you probably should probably. care about to an extent. No, no, I'm just saying that. I didn't care who was playing for Asia. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, he was after. at one point, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Guthrie Govan, I know for Guthrie Govan, not for Asia. But anyway, right. so, um, and he's showing off his guitars, right? And one of them didn't even work. He's like, yeah, I love this guitar, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He plugs it in. He's like, ah, it doesn't even work. He couldn't even get any output out of it. I had to laugh because it was like he was trying. And then every every guitar he did... It got boring because he's got like, yeah, this is my 14th favorite guitar. And then uh, almost literally, I mean, he, mu he must have been close to 14 guitars into it. Like the, and I'm like this at this point. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so fucking boring. And then and then um, he plays the same effing riff on him. And every one of them is a super strat. It's like, <sighs> there isn't like an SG no, or a. John or a, Harrington. Is that John who it is? Harrington. John, no, there's a guy named John Harrington. He played for, um, like Steely Dan. He was like their live touring guitar player for a long time. Yeah. And oh yeah, that's did, why I know that. Name. He did an interview for Amps and Axes, and he mm -hmm. talked about he had like nine guitars or something. Yep. And that was all he owned, right? And yeah. he had a couple of amps, and it was just like his rig was like super bare bones. I think he was living in New York, but he was talking about how he wanted to go down to like three guitars because he's like, I just can't, I just can't maintain all of these. And I got like it totally dawned on me like there's okay buddy you know involved in this stuff. So when I see somebody with like twenty super strats, it's like, well, how many different tunings do you play? You know what I mean? Like pick three and sell the rest. <laughs> you know, it's like what the hell? Um, that coming. See how me, hard right? it is to Google for Asia guitar player. Oh, I God. guess I should look up Asia like laundry, the band laundry laundry list there. The only guitar player that played in Asia that I care about is um, Mr. Three Thirty Five. Well, okay, so that's funny you <laughs> mentioned him because you talked about um, you talked oh, about uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to look up who the current uh, guitar player is, but anyway, Chris, no, not Chris Lee, Sam Colson. Sam Colson. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, was. okay. I mean, it's not a bad guitar player. I'm just saying that. No, 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 no. But here's and, my 14th super strat. Either. No. 
to be but, to get uh, an Asia a, gig, you got to be pretty damn good. So yeah, here's literally yeah. Real. I mean, it got, yeah, you're not you're not a, a crap guitar player if you're if you're. Um, I just thought that it was funny that that they did that anyway. So um, uh, yeah, there's a there's a screenshot. I think I can I can show this in here, but uh, so he's over there and he's playing uh, this. Um, and uh, let me put let me put this in there. Um, Chrome. There we go. So here he is. Uh, let me see if I can get this to be bigger in the in the thing. So he he's talking about you know how he um, uh, he does that stuff. Yeah, there it is. It's not even as big as it was. It's just the same exact size. But there you go. And there he is playing his super strat. You can't see it, but the this the watchers can see it. And and if you look up Sam Colson, you know on uh, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I'm rig vaguely aware. I'm vaguely aware. I haven't seen his rig rundown, but I'm, you can I'm see, vaguely aware. You can see all the super shots. And then he has one base. You can see it right here. There's one base that is like, there's this base. And he's like, you know yeah, he this is a base one. because sometimes I have fun. He's, and, and, I, and I had to laugh because I was like, yeah, there's my one base now. Um, yeah. But uh, so I thought it was pretty funny. Um, anyway, he's, uh, he's a decent, he's a decent uh, uh, player and everything. It's just, I, I just had to laugh because... Um, anyway, I didn't, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to, oh, and that's the other thing. He didn't even switch like to a base, um, rig to show his base. He just plugged it in and played it through the same thing he did with the guitar, which I thought was funny. Cause that's when you said, Hey Jim, you know, you're playing through a bass rig <laughs> when I first got my Captor X. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize yeah. I was playing through the bass. Um, yeah. so, um, that, which starts to come towards what we were talking about. Uh, but anyway, you mentioned uh, Mr. 335, and that's obviously Larry Carlton. And yeah. um, Larry Carlton, obviously more famously even than, than uh, yes, would have been uh, uh, Steely Dan, right? And so uh, both of us being huge Steely Dan fans, um, I, I was watching a uh, Premier Guitar rig rundown with uh, – who's the tall guy from Premier Guitar? I was interviewing him anyway. Uh, John Bollinger. Uh, yeah, Bollinger. So Bollinger's talking to him, and of course – Bollinger's like this, and and Carlin's like yeah, this. Yeah, he towers over pretty much everybody he interviews. He, I don't think I've seen really anybody that's taller than him. I think yeah, I think the only person he persons he doesn't tower over is like Greg Cock. Um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, Dan Squatch. Yeah, who's your um your other favorite guitar player there? The the um, Gilbert. Um, yeah, Paul Gilbert again. Yeah. Also, not Dan Squatch, but a tree. Yeah, <laughs> a, a very tall player. And so <laughs> anyway, he's he's towering over um, the guy who's probably. Probably five ten. I bet you Carl's probably five ten or five eight. But I mean, he's like, you know, way over him. So anyway, he's he, um, Carl's talking to him, and of course they call him Mister Three Three Five. And he was talking about his guitars, and it was pretty much it, it, in those days that was it. He didn't go get like a ton of other guitars, and he's only got that one. He has like a a fan gave him another one that he said, if you don't like yeah. it, please give it back. And he's kept it because he likes it, and he's put it in the mix. So he's got three, two, three thirty fives, and like one or two other guitars, and that's it. That's that's Larry yeah. Carlton's whole thing. He's got as many amps or more than guitars. I mean, the guy was. Yeah, he's been really adamant about the fact that he has more amps than guitars. But you know the thing is, you can listen to some of that Steely Dan stuff, especially the tracks he played on. And there's other instruments on there than what he owned. And he was just grabbing what was in the studio. Like if they had a, like a Strat laying around, like he'd play that on something. Or, well, a lot was, of times. He 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 was um, he was open to admit that a lot of times that's not him, 
they would bring in somebody else and put him in, and oh, he would well, either no, get credit or they. No, he didn't play on everything. That's very clear. But there, yeah. but you can tell when it's him. Uh, he has a very signature way of doing yeah, his things. Choice of yeah, his choice of notes and way play. Like Peg, I would not be shocked if that was on something else, like a Telecaster, or um, because the way that that sound is done. But right, he's he's done a lot more work than that. The one that he's Pretty all amazing. over is Royal Jam. That's that's oh, yeah, the record. Yeah, the Royal and Jam. They, you can hear a lot of three thirty five to that little champ. Cause that's what they were using for most of that. So, yep. Yep. He'd bring in a three, three, five and a champ. And Still he was like, that if, champ. He, if he, yeah. And, and, and what's funny is if he, you know, he's one of those guys, if you want to, if you want a three, three, five for through a champ, uh, that's the guy. Um, <laughs> well, that's, he's probably more known for the three thirty five and the Dumble, but <laughs> yeah, well now. Yeah. He, he fought the Dumble thing. He was talking about that. He was like, ah, I don't know if I want to buy into that. And then, um, he did. I can't remember well, how he, he said he, he got Dumble anymore. He's using Bluto tones or something now, but um, yeah. like Dumble's in retirement, basically. Yep. Like, he doesn't yep. want to get anything worked on. Because well, apparently if you use one of those, like you have to take it to him to, to get it worked yeah. on. If yeah. you're faithful. And so Robin Ford is, you know, that's why Robin Ford, like, well, we'll tour, you know, Europe with Red Knob Twins sometimes because his yeah, Dumbles are in the shop and he's not getting them back for like two years. And that's, yeah, that's the other side of it. Is he, That's the reason he went, he talked about that, how he, yeah, that uh, he, at first he didn't want to go to a Dumble because he was like, ah, every time I got to get it done. And then he was promised that it would, and then it didn't work out that way because there's too many. So, you know, it, I'm not here to, to discuss Dumble. So, <clears throat> that's not, definitely not you and me. Well, I'm not putting a mortgage into my house to matter of fact, if I mortgaged my house, I'd almost be able to afford a double. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, I, I want to do hats off to Brady. He won his seventh ring tonight. Um, anyway, uh, that was, that was a good game, but it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. So I was going to, to shoot my, as I, I go back and I was going to shoot my uh, rig rundown and then I'm like, I, I, I am so I, I did a whole intro that that it, it, it that this way and I and, and I don't want you to think I was acting in the intro and I'm not acting now. I, I was I was so over technology. First first I recorded I tried to play like riffs through each guitar. And I what I was doing was um, I had a backing track and then I started playing riffs. And I created this drum track and I created this thing and then I recorded over everything because I forgot that this isn't tape and it doesn't pick off where you left off and I and I recorded over everything and I was like oh shit I've got to start all over you can't do control Z and get it back well what happened was I control Z and the program kind of froze so I control Z again and control Z again then I didn't know how to get control out uh, and then you didn't go to look for version history and go go forward okay you, you, right. you gotta do it's it's the old don't forget to save before you move forward thing but hey it, it's so and then um i shot video and and uh i had just got the gopro and i didn't realize it was shooting in time lapse so it goes like this you know <laughs> Shit. well that was useful it was like this. Um, oh. 
We've all I had shot. days like that, man. We have all had days like that. And then I shot, as you can see, when we were first set up. I'll, I'll, I'll switch that that uh, mode real quick. I'll switch to uh, the, the mode I was in. Let me go over here. I got to switch uh, my screen for a second here, folks. Um, so, yeah, I got to go inside the... Uh, it's about to crash the, uh, the episode, so... Yeah, let's see if it works. I was in wide, so let's see if it... Oh, no, it's going to, is it going to, oh, there it is. So I was in Fish Eye Lens. There you go. <laughs> fish Eye. Um, I'll go back to what I was there a second ago. So you can see I was in the, I was in the Fish Eye Lens, which looks pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it, you look like Tim Pierce when you're in a Fish Eye Lens. Cause I know, he, sh he, he shoots everything in the Fish Eye. And he's always got he shoots that. everything with a GoPro, that's why. Does he really? I didn't know that. It's got to be. It's got to be. I can believe that. I could believe it. But the um, and then uh, I got some good shots with the three three five. I was like, oh no, I gotta start all over. And uh, I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna. I, I got so mad. And then I tried to do, you know, the Trogley thing where he takes the video and then talks over it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's not as easy as it seems, folks. That's no, not it's easy not. I've because done a lot of voiceover work. It's not. It's a pain you got to know how long you want to be there. And so I was like, oh, that's probably long enough. That's probably long enough. That's, that wasn't long enough. I said, and there's my, oh, <laughs> trying to get all the words out. Yeah, well, and the, the worst part is when you're doing that, you have a tendency to like want to say a hell of a lot more than you need to. And I yeah. think what Trogley actually does is he does narrate it in person, but then he he doubles it later and then mutes his original track. Yeah, probably. I think that's how he does idea. it because because that's what makes his the audio like way way better. Because there's no way he's not wearing a lav and getting audio like that. That's just not happening. You never yeah, hear know. like I'm gonna wind try noise it. from his lapel or anything like that. Yeah. I'm going to try a laugh, um, although I don't know if it's going to work well for me or not. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I wear I wear one in some of our videos. Um, yeah, because because I have a tendency to talk while I'm playing, which it sucks, but like that's the best way to do that. And I think the acoustic guitar video I did. Uh, for the Godin that we put in the or the Seagull that we put in the episode was done. Uh, maybe I actually uploaded that as a separate video. That was done with uh, that was done with Lav. And like I know the Kemper reaction video for the Purple Plexi pack when that came or no the uh, Liver Li Liverpool when that yeah. came out that was with I did that with the lapel. It's like I don't know. The, cheap lobs are available everywhere. And I don't think any of them sound particularly better than others. I know somebody in the group is probably screaming right now, but I've done a lot of live work with with lobs at, at uh, conferences and stuff, and they, honestly, they all suck. Like they're just not quality microphones. You can get so much better results. Like when I have a when I have a speaker come in, and they're like, "I'm not wearing a lav," and I'm like, "Oh, I know, Great. right?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yes," because that's less work I have to do in post. Just well, give them a fifty. I'm like, give them a fifty-eight. <laughs> I yeah, um, so they have a few boom mics I can get for the GoPro because I bought the I ordered right. the, um, mod, so you know, I'll try the mod camera 
mic. Supposedly it's, it's supposed better. to be pretty good. It's uh, supposed yeah. to be pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I, I'll try the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they have a boom that you can put on there. So it comes with two cold shoes. Um, yeah, so... I, I was thinking for this guy, I might actually invest and get a um, shotgun. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking—a shotgun mic and a um, and a, a light at least for it. The light. Yeah, I don't need the light, but the shotgun mic would be nice. Yeah, um, I might just I buy would, another one of these lights that I've got. Wouldn't mind having a nicer lens for this room, but but it's just gotten. That's I, and then Cakewalk, I, you know, and Cakewalk, that gives a former Gibson family of brands product. <laughs> Cakewalk should be, you know. So you and I know, I, I tried a new, uh, uh, what was it, Resolve, DaVinci Resolve? Yeah, you tried DaVinci Resolve, which I, as I played around with DaVinci Resolve too, I was like, no, this is not the product for us. Yeah. Um, I, it, I it do, I have really another render, we should look at though. Yeah, I, I, it didn't really re render the way I was hoping. And then I rendered three times. Twice, all I got was video, and once all I got was audio. And I was like, all right. You, I don't care, it, and it's supposedly coming out as an MP4. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, if it's a multi-track MP4, that'll be a problem because then it won't. The audio will be there, but it won't know what to do with it. No yeah, player and, knows what the hell to do with. So what I what I was going to do was take that and then put the audio, and, and then I still would have had to go to Vegas, and then copy paste it back together, and then I still have to re-render. That didn't make any sense. Um, well, so, all of this stuff. So, all of this media design stuff, Jim. We were talking about this earlier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us up to speed on what what Jim and I's topic here really is. Is like, yeah, why is this stuff more user friendly? Right? Yeah. And uh, there are user friendly options, but they're always less powerful. They don't do the things. So, like, I'm using an open source video editor um, to do some light work. I forget what the name of the editor is, but. Um, I started playing with it actually on my daughter's computer because she's way into video stuff. In fact, I bought her an action camera for Christmas and um, she's got, you know, the the digital display tablet that she can draw on all that stuff. And she yep. was showing me today, she's making all these animations. She takes a video game and she makes the character in the video game and then she goes and she animates the crap out of it. Which is awesome. does all the overdubbing voices and then grabs like YouTube celebrities and takes their voices and puts them on there. I mean, it's completely wild. Now, my kid's 10 years old. And this is like the second year that, that they've been interested in this. So just keep that in mind. Like, um, and for her, she's like, I want, I want premiere, you know, like she's like, I want the most complicated piece of, cause she'll learn it and it, and she'll be like a sponge for it. Now here's the deal. So I'm playing with her application. Like I can't do, um, I can't do color grading. I, not in the same way that I can with a product like Premiere or Final Cut. I can't do, you know, and, and it's just the really advanced stuff, like get preparing it for, for PAL distribution because they use a different color palette. Yep. Um, and those kinds of things are just like out of the scope of something that, that you or I would want to be dealing with for the podcast. And yeah. so um, this is, by the way, this is like a whole different avenue that we probably have never talked about on the show, and that's video editing. But yeah. for the modern musician knowing some of this stuff is going to help you navigate when you run into these problems because you are going to have situations where you're trying to publish a video for a press kit or um, passing video along to someone 
and needing to know like what the formats that are basically industry standard are. So when we're talking yeah. about MP4 H.264, H.264 is the encoder and decoder, and MP4 is the container. Right. And so like those two things are basically industry standard. You'll run across like MOV. That's that's yeah. the Apple format. And they have H.264 as well in MOV files. Um, but it's they're, – they're really two, you know, basically synonymous formats with a different container, for, for lack of a better word. Um, and so when we talk about applications, DaVinci Resolve, for example, DaVinci Resolve is trying to be a premiere, and it's, it's every bit as complex. You're going to pay to get the feature set that you're going to get out of Premiere or that you're going to get out of Final Cut. Um, yep. But it's far cheaper. If you if you haven't looked at the Adobe Creative Suite for any reason, um, it has Audition, Ugh. which is the only DAW that it you know sort of works with, but it sucks. Um, I, I used Audition 10 years ago when it was cool at it, and they've done some facelift stuff to it, but it's the same shit. It's still cool at it. Um, it doesn't have MIDI. It, it focuses very much on processing audio from Premiere, and which is okay, I guess. But I'm I, I like I was telling my wife, why isn't this shit included in Premiere? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. There are definitely even with professional level products where I'm like, what the hell? You mean I have to go to After Effects to make my titles so that I can import them into Premiere because Premiere just doesn't have a place for me to like have a pre-formatted title that I can copy paste and change the text in. And it doesn't. Um, it, it drives me nuts. I had an argument with a coworker about it. He's like, "You should be able to just do titles directly in Premiere." I'm like, "No, you can't." And he says, "I've got you know 20 years worth of video experience." I'm like, "I don't care. You can't do it in Premiere. Premiere has put some text on the screen, and that's it. It doesn't have titling, <laughs> okay? Um, and so if you want to make a like a template, you have to do it this specific way, and that requires After Effects." So when you go to buy a license of Premiere, you don't buy it anymore. You rent it. And you yep. rent it. It's $55 a month. A month. $55 per month. So unless you're an actual honest-to-God professional, Premiere doesn't make sense. And that's why I'm very, very frustrated with Adobe in general because their product lifecycle is just ridiculous. That's that's totally that's totally nuts. I can go to Mac. I can go buy Mac. The Mac's going to cost me 1000 bucks or more, right? Base level Mac. And I can get Final Cut. Yep. And Final Cut on a base level Mac and edit 4K video for like 350 bucks for the software license or 400 bucks yep. for the software license. Like you're crazy if you think I'm going to pay, you know, was it 12? So it would be $600 a year for Premiere. You know, like you guys are absolutely nuts. Oh, well, you get all these other applications too. But I'm only going to use Premiere. I'm only going to use um, Audition, and I'm only going to use After Effects. Like, I am I do use Photoshop, but I could use GIMP and, and be totally happy with GIMP. In fact, I think GIMP is actually probably more powerful at this point. Um, don't shoot me, but but my wife has even made the, the leap to switching over to GIMP, and she's yeah. a lifelong, you know, Photoshop user. So, um I look at this stuff and I get, I gave you filmic pro and I'll, and I'll, we'll get to filmic pro here in a second. And I go, there are different tiers, right? There's the, the amateur tier. There's the mid-level tier. There's the, you know, somebody who knows enough to be dangerous. And then there's the pro level tier. 
And I feel like in the video world, almost everything is situated at that pro level tier. And I feel like in the recording world, there are some products that are at that like mid level, but by and large, the race is on to see who can be like the most complex pro level, you know, recording solution. Because even the ones that like, oh, it's just like, I it's it's the simplest to use. Ableton, Ableton is effing hard. Okay, Ableton is not like I look at Ableton and I go, no. There's way too much going on under the hood of this. Ableton assumes you know how to do, use a mixing board and that you're comfortable with just recording crap and never seeing it, right? Um, and that's like a huge hurdle to go through the first time you use Ableton if you've used any other DAW because that's just not how it is. I came from CoolEdit. CoolEdit was the easiest damn recording software on earth. Prime your track, press record, and go. I mean, it wasn't, there was none of this uh, recording limitations. Uh, there was no, um, now there's no MIDI in it, right? So like later on when I got Cubase for the first time, I actually was going through recording classes in the college. We got Cubase for the first time and I realized how much MIDI crap you had to know just to like write a song and do a drum track for it um, without an actual drummer that I was like, okay, I need to take a step back. And, and it took me, God, it took me almost a dozen years to figure to figure it all out. Like I've used Cubase in several different editions, and now I'm using Cubase. You know, I'm not I'm not thrilled with Cubase. I'd much rather be using Logic. Logic is is more well laid out. It's actually closer to Cool Edit in a lot of ways. Yeah, but it's it's still one of those applications where Logic is definitely made for like the mid level, where it's got advanced features that can be a little bit difficult to like get you know get your hands around them if you're if you're familiar with like getting your hands real dirty and doing some stuff in midi um but i feel like logic is got all the features it's just laid out so that the stuff you're not going to use a lot is not going to be right in front of you yeah um and whereas cubase is like dude you got to do a deep dive on the menus to do anything it's it's ridiculous but there's so much functionality there that like it's going to be i'm going to have cubase install my new mac i mean that's that's the way it's going to work I'm going to have both. Um, and I'm I'm feeling like your struggles with audio and video are largely just dictated by the fact that you haven't been doing it for 20 years. You know, no. I've been doing it almost since I started playing guitar. I mean, I think in year one, I started recording myself. So, and then yeah, that was... And I, yeah, and I had a four-track super... task cam. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so I would take... Um, uh, so I would go either Digital get or a drummer or Digital yeah, cassette. Or, um, cassette. Okay. So um, and so right. I would grab a a four track, um, and and lay down a drum track. I've talked about the fact that I bounce tracks and other stuff. So <clears throat> I would get drum tracks, and then I would get um, you know, whatever. Um. Uh, uh, later, I was able to get um, probably mid two thousands. I was able to get. Um, you could download the drum tracks for different songs. People had uploaded them to the internet. So you needed a song, grab the down, drum track, pull it down, practice to it. Um, sometimes. Uh, That's really the reason that MIDI files existed in the beginning. Yeah. What you yeah. go get these MIDIs on people's websites, you know, if you remember the days of GeoCities, you'd go to somebody's website and some MIDI would be playing in the background. That yeah. was because 
musicians were making these MIDI files so they could trade one another to yeah. be able to rehearse with and stuff. Um, and so um, we would have, uh, I would get these, like I said, these drum tracks, and then I would play the instruments over it that I needed to play and sing the parts. So I still don't grasp. Um, so I've got Easy Drummer, and I can't figure out an Easy Drummer. I got to sit, I got to watch some tutorials because, and they bored a fuck out of me. The, the truth of the matter is, I go to sit and watch a tutorial, right? You you said, oh, go watch some tutorials. I go to watch the tutorial. Okay. Uh, now yeah, they're I'm going to um, watch them at two, uh, two times speed, 2x. Uh, I'm going to um, drag this um, uh, snare. Um, uh, and I'm sitting there going, just fucking say what you're going to do. Just fucking do it. Do you know how to edit? Do you know how to edit video, you moron? And, That's me uh, when I have to watch programming, uh, programming oh, yeah. YouTube videos. I'm like, are you freaking serious? Just type it in already. Like, I know. Okay, we're gonna go to bash. So we're gonna do yeah. uh, pound bang. Okay, pound pound key. Uh, bang is the uh, exclamation key. Um, <laughs> slash bash. Yeah. Bin. Yeah. Bin stands for buy. Shut up and just type in bash. Yeah. Or or get clone. Get clone oh, yeah, repo. Get clone. Okay, just, yep. Well, clone means we're going to... No, I don't need an explanation. I already know what I came for. <laughs> I just want that one thing. It's in the title of your fucking video. Yeah, that's just it's like, how is this video? Thing. Or you get the one thing that you know is like going to be like a 10 second or 15 second like, and it's look a 25 at something. Minute video. And it's 25 minutes and you're like, what the hell? What did I just watch? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah, like, um, so I did, uh, I did tutorials for the show. They're, they're, they haven't been made live yet. I'm still editing them. I've got four hours worth of programming a drum track from scratch, how to mix it, yep. and like other various tips on what to do, like mastering it and all that stuff. And basically going to upload that to our show's library for, for everybody because... I think it's a skill that it's a skill, but it's also a tool. And I think everybody should know how to do it, but it's just, um, you got to wrap your head around it the first couple of times. I mean, I did literally like an hour on compression. I don't like think it's how, easy. how compression, you know what it does. Cause it's the most misunderstood thing on earth. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, I, I really feel like that I'm passionate about it, but you know what? The fact that I have to do a three hour deep dive or four hour deep dive or whatever ended up being on that was literally me explaining each step of the process and doing it like here, we're actually going to make this drum track and we're going to, and I literally like, so I've got to, I'm going to try to expedite it, but, but basically like I actually drag and drop all the beats and then I route it to my, you know, to easy drummer so we can get sound. And then, well, yeah, yeah. But, but that whole process, the reason why it's so long in that case, it's because that's a complicated topic. But well, n not everything's complicated, right? No, no. But okay, so uh, I will admit that trying to program a drum track should be relatively. It, it, it should be relatively complicated. You're not a drummer, right? <laughs> like number one, it's, it's, so you have to think like a drummer, which is like step one, and then step two is like 
how where how do I how do I use the grid? Like right. I don't think about music in terms of a grid, and, and that's a yeah. totally different paradigm. And uh, of course, there's where you're um, where you're using Easy Drummer in the Easy Drummer app, or you're using Easy Drummer within the DAW, yeah. and it's I didn't get into a whole lot of mini that, mapping and but... all that other stuff. But yeah, and, and so here's what I was here's what I'm getting at though. Um, that's still easier than spending ten thousand hours learning to play the drums, and getting sure. good at it, and hundred them up. So one hundred percent, that's fine. the The problem I have is when you give me a program, not you personally, when they give me a program to create audio. I want to, I want to, I want to play guitar over track. It's that simple. And I don't want to, I don't want to overcomplicate it. So I want to play guitar over a track. And I wish like, there were I wish there was an application that was that simple. There's and not. there isn't one. And there there's isn't not. one. And uh, I sit and I struggle. It no wonder I was never good in the studio because I just all right, hold on, we gotta re we've got to reposition the mic. Or hold on, we gotta reposition. And I'm like like that. I'm I'm sitting and I'm waiting. Because uh, I've done voiceovers and I've done background vocals and stuff like that for people before. And it's, okay, we're going to go in. Okay, Jim, we're going to get a mic check. Um, we're going to play you a piece here. Go ahead and, you know, sing to this. Give me your notes. and Because they want to get – you can't just go check one, two, three. That, that's that's another thing about sound checks. If anybody thinks check one, two, three is how you do a sound check, you're an idiot. That's yeah. how you get – that's how you know the mic is live. That that's is basically nuts. what that's for, right? <laughs> Is not how you get your levels. You ever notice when a band's first song sounds like crap and then it yeah. slowly and like by the time they get to the third song, everything's dialed in, it sounds great. Yeah, yeah that's because they're mixing them live. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, if you've ever sat behind the sound booth at a live venue, you watch them just twiddle and shit for the first two songs. And then after yeah. that it's like press a button. Yep. <laughs> press a button. Yep. It's like and and a lot of the professionals, they have these boards that actually have uh, presets that they can right. They, literally well, push that's what they do is they yeah. they'll save the preset, and then like they might even do some automation. Yeah. Um, when they're bumping up a solo, they might have a solo button that they've programmed somewhere where, yep. like, guitar players take a solo, press a button, and, that, yep. and honestly, like that, it, they make it that simple. The first song, the first two songs, they work really hard, and then the rest of the gig, they're just. Yeah, okay. and a lot of times, like a professional, right. say say somebody like Shania Twain comes, if she's played there before, and they've got a MIDI that there's a MIDI going, and that timer knows exactly when that's supposed to happen. Yeah, and unless they got a touch a fader, they don't touch a fader. Right, they're right. busy. They're busy ordering a beer. Um, so <clears throat> no, they're watching their stuff. I'm not saying the sounds in. Yeah, they usually work. they. Well, I've seen them miscues because yeah. they're not paying attention to what's going on, and like something happens on stage, and then like they spill their beer because they're like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hit the mute button. Whoops. We got feedback. That <laughs> light's like, supposed to be on. Yeah, um, <laughs> the light guys over there. Ah. Yeah, he's like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> you know. So yeah, everybody's laughing at him. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, the people have lost their jobs for dumb shit they've done. So I, I, I know, I know. Um. That's why I said, like, I, I was at a show and I saw this go on where it was very clear he missed missed a cue. And then there was, like, rampant feedback on stage because yep. some mic was left wide open and it was just picking up all the feedback. 
Yeah. And like the guy was yeah. like, holy crap, which mic is it? And he's like looking at his meters, like trying to find it. And it was just like a whole thing. Yeah. And he was and once he the was feedback flustered. <laughs> yeah, once the feedback fires up, it's hard to figure out which mic, mic it is because yeah, they're all it doing starts it feeding them, Yeah, they all start coming up, and he's like, and let me he was tell just you something. stuff with you, you know. If you're up there wearing those in ears, the last thing you want is those that feedback. Yeah, you'll see them pull them out. Like that's the first thing that they do because it it just irritates you really bad. Like it hurts. Um, yeah, it hurts. But anyway, so filmic. So Filmic yeah. Pro is an application for, for iPhone. I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as I, po- as, as I possibly yeah. can, just talking to you about it what, and why I think there's a challenge here that is a challenge you probably should learn to meet, but like is something that, and this is absolutely true for listeners, Filmic is an application that's available for both iPhone and it's available for Android. And it basically puts it takes the full power of your camera and allows you to use it in like a cinematic way. So when you have Filmic Pro activated, you can shoot movies with this thing, and people have shot movies with. with yeah, see the fact that um, there's a couple of actual films that have been done with this. But anyway, so like you can set your frames per second. You can set what codec you want to use for for um, encoding. You can when you save it, you can set so like when you plug it, if you save it inside the app, plug in your iPhone to, to iTunes, and then you can just literally just file share the files out. It's super easy. Um, it's way better than having to upload that crap to the cloud and go through that shenanigans. Um, but here's the here's the rub, right? So the first time somebody fires up Filmic Pro, they go, there's a circle and a square. And like, what the hell do these do? One is for focus, right? And the other one is basically your aperture, which, con- which it, it basically controls the exposure. Okay, so when you take your camera and you point it at the sun, if you've ever done that, it completely washes out the image. Why? Because it's oversaturated with light and the, and the sensor doesn't know how to handle it. So naturally what your phone will try to do is it will say, autocorrect, shut the brightness down. In Filmic, you can control that. So for example, like if I'm shooting an, an image, um, like I'm shooting, let's say I'm shooting here. So I have, you can't see it, but there's a big light. You can see it on my arm when I move it over right here. And if I'm shooting something and I have that light beaming me, you'll see. And actually, in some of our old episodes, you have the light in front of you and it's like shining on your head and it's overexposed because the light is so bright that your webcam can't pick up the the difference between dark and light. So what ends up happening is you really actually want that to happen in certain circumstances. So that's why I'm like, you don't really want it to automatically compensate for everything. You want to get the best possible shot based on what you think it is. So the camera will make certain determinations, but it doesn't necessarily know what you want. So that's what Filmic Pro exists for. And you'll find that there's things in there like histograms and and the zebra meter, which is what I call it. But the zebra meter will show you what's overexposed in a shot. And like, so you can make a very clear, concise decision about what you want exposed or underexposed so that you get just the, the narrow bandwidth of what you're looking at. Because what people, so we would talk about audio, we talk about things clipping, going beyond the, the um, dynamic range. That's the exact same thing for video. Um, and you really have to be sort of aware of those things if you're going to shoot pro-quality video. Now, if you're shooting a podcast or something and you really don't care about the quality level, that's a whole other conversation. But the point is, these apps exist for professionals to be able to get jobs done. They couldn't normally do. Um, so, case in point, uh, I know that parts of the Avengers, the first Avengers movies, were shot on an iPhone. Um, and they shot it that way because 
that camera was way smaller than like say a red camera, which it was what they were probably shooting that movie with. So that's part of the reason why Filmic Pro exists. But we can tap into that technology and we take it we can take advantage of it. So that's basically why I've been recommending that for people who are getting into this stuff, because if you really want to be the Paul Davids of your market, you need to understand the tool set that's provided to you. Now, there's a learning curve. So I suggested today that you watch tutorials. Like, I don't want to watch tutorials. Actually, the tutorials from Filmic are not horrendous, and they do a good job of explaining the basics of filmmaking. Not, I'm talking about not shot for shot kind of stuff. I'm talking about how to properly expose an image or how to um, how to set your, your white balance. Because a lot of people don't realize when you set white balance, I have an index card here, and this is a really bad way to do it. But you can use this, hold it up in front of your camera, hit set white balance, and it will scan this and try to set your image where that's white. So right now, my lights are daylight. They're set basically to like a blue hue. I'm not super blue. The only blue you're actually getting is coming off my monitors. Um, so I have two giant monitors sitting here, which is part of that issue. But um, And I'm very, very white. Unfortunately, I'm as white as the hat. Um <laughs> But it's just that's just part of the uh, part of the way this all works. So I don't know. I mean, if you're getting into like shooting your band at like concerts just to review the footage later, do you need to know this stuff? Probably not. If are you getting into this like to do YouTube content, it probably behooves you to try to make at least the best effort to make the most of what you have. Not advocating anybody run out and buy expensive video gear like dslr cameras and all that kind of stuff i actually have my wife and i both have dslrs she does she does streaming i have a dslr because uh this is her actually her super old one this is a canon rebel t3i so this is eight years old now um so we just you know we have them laying around it's like i can get the best out of this this sensor will be way better than what i got in whatever else but um see Jim's Jim's farting around with it now. He's like, I don't understand what all this is. So I've got two. I've got. I was just showing that I've got. So this is what my workstation looks like. I've got. Uh, how the hell do I get out of there? There I go. Um, so I've got that that monitor and that monitor over there. Oh, so, oh he's got like a dual, dual mirror situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I have um, actually for the for the purpose of this podcast, I'm doing something even more fancy tonight. I've got. Um, I have OBS set up on my end and I'm actually processing my iPhone through an app that reads into OBS via the, the iPhone cable since so charging and everything else. And then OBS handles my audio. So it combines it with my microphone and it out via virtual camera for discord to utilize. So I could do all kinds of stuff. I could throw titles under my name if I wanted to, or yeah, what I like is you can choose this thing called double take now. Mm -hmm. Which means you can use two two cameras at the same time, right. which I, which I think is great. And I and really the reason that I bought this was so that I could do the double camera thing and then take advantage of another camera, so that when we were doing these things. But I got to be honest with you, I gave up on Filmic Pro early. Um, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, I. So I used to be Mister Technology. I craved and desired to learn new technologies and it was probably i don't know uh around the time that i got my second samsung 
so I went from a Samsung to this this iPhone 11 Pro Max. Just to give you an idea of when I went to to uh, my Samsung, and I mean, uh, yeah. So my Samsung was the eight. I want to say it was eight, uh, the highest end eight you could buy, and and here's the here's the kicker. So this is what drove me right out of Android. I threw. I was like Android. I can't stand it. I'll tell you what it was. So I bought the biggest card it could take, right? The micro SD, biggest micro SD I could buy for it that it said it would handle. I think at that time it was 128 gig. It was either 128 or 256. Stuck that thing, stuck that card in there, fired it up. Two weeks later, you're out of memory. What? Out of space? Really? Because Samsung, unlike Apple, doesn't treat all of its memory as one great big piece. In Android, you got to tell it what is what is the stick and what is in this phone. So anyway, so I go and I get um, I, I run out of memory. I look at the card; it's empty, empty. I'm like, I told I went through all the tutorial shit. All the crap that people told me to watch online, because this is my second one. I had the same complaint with the first one. And I said, uh, um, what the hell is going on? So I look at it, and uh, um, like I said, the, the memory stick is is empty. And uh, I, I go to watch all these tutorials, and they're telling me the same thing. Set up your camera so that whenever you take a picture, it goes to the memory stick, not to the phone. Because the phone only had, like, at that time, which was the 8, only had, like, 32 gig of memory or 16 gig of memory. They weren't that big. And so, long story short, I I, I, I was like, oh, when you upgraded from from – uh, peppermint candy stick to fucking milky bar <laughs> or whatever they got to because they can't give numbers they, they got to be like oh, they got to be 11. fucking hipster about yeah. it um you know oh look at you you've got you've got uh double candy two cent candy stick and it's go and you should be running um uh sweet tooth um <laughs> snot nose or something instead of why don't you call it a number um so I, i'm like any other software's got a Fucking number on it. My my wife and, works with a software where they name them after city names, so they just upgraded to Paris. I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you know? And, and four years from now, you don't know if Paris is better than London is better than freaking Stockholm. Yeah, all I because, know is because, it's giving because, me because Stockholm it, syndrome. All, well, the dumb part about it is like, okay, so you only have 27 versions? Yeah. <laughs> What are you going to do when you run out of freaking cities that – all right. So anyway, yeah, I was like, oh, what the hell? So um, I, I – and, you know, when they – Windows did the god dang – oh, we're going from naming them after the year they come out to naming them after a number. And we're just going to randomly pull a number out of our ass. What is it? Oh, seven. It's seven. Okay, seven is the number. And then we're going to go to eight. It wasn't Windows version seven. For those of you who didn't know, it actually wasn't seven. No, um, it was I'm like close. the seventh, the seventh home release or something like that. Yeah, but there had been at least two other versions that were just completely left out of that. Oh yeah, um, and then now they and then they skipped nine, 
because eight was such a debacle that they had to well, they had to distance themselves. There's a, yeah, so there's a there's a lot of reasons that they said nine didn't exist. One was, I guess in Japan the number nine is is bad luck or something. And yeah, there no, was, it was because they needed to distance themselves from eight. They it were was pretty to, clear. Every other yeah. release of Windows has been shit. Windows ninety five was decent. Windows ninety eight was garbage. Windows not um what was it? Windows no, Windows ninety. Five right, was right. gar- it, it, 2000 was gar- no no millennium was garbage millennium was garbage 2000 was the fix and 2000 was the first time that they built nt into the platform which yep. nt was already its own other product and that's why i'm yep. saying like there's all these versions and if you add them up it's not seven no, no <laughs> it's like, not it's like 12 um, and no, actually like nine or so 10. You, could make, you could make an argument jim that it was a return to form because yes. up until windows 3 yeah, there were no version. Or they were all right. version numbered, right? Yeah, and then they deviated from that by making it the year it came out, which yep. didn't work in the out. enterprise space. Because, but then, I, but anyway, that was my point. So then somebody said you didn't have the right version it, it, when you downloaded um, uh, the update. It you had to reset, telling it to use the card. I'm like, why would I have to do that? Why would it not remember? What is wrong with this fucking program? So. The operating system was crap. I, I still think that Samsung operating system is shit, but at least it's getting better. Okay, the Android, and that's the other problem with, oh, well, you have Samsung. What? Yeah, well, you have Samsung. Because, because I, they I all have to rebrand and manipulate the OS Android. before they give it to you. They can't that's just right. leave it alone. They can't the leave only it alone. person that gives you phone stock Android is Google, <laughs> which is hilarious and, to me. And so I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go back to to Apple. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Jim, Jim, could you imagine if HP and Dell and all these other companies had their own fork of the Windows OS? I mean, uh, I, 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 you know what I'm saying, though? It's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, some of them, uh, they do and they don't. Like the, the environment you live in when you buy a Dell versus when you buy an HP can be slightly different. Well, yeah, different. but that's because, but, so like that's, that's only slightly different in that they have proprietary software that they bundle with it called right. crapware that right. you have. But, Which is the first thing you should uninstall. My understanding that is actually in the, the, um, the service agreement between Microsoft and HP okay. and the other companies is that you can't put anything on there. That would prevent the user from removing it and just using bone stock windows. Yeah. That is part of the part of their their agreement. Yeah. So So the first thing I do is thing ever. I ripped I rip everything off and I go to bone yeah. stock windows. It's windows. And, and that's what I have on here. I have Windows 10 Pro. So yeah. um and I and I have a license for uh, Windows and I have a license for um uh, uh, office. And and I pay for a lot of licenses, folks. I don't mind. Like I bought Filmic. I'm not using the free version of Filmic. Yeah. I paid what was it, twenty dollars or something? There, I don't think there is a th- free version of Filmic. It's twenty I, bucks. I, I think there was a there was a trial or something. I don't know. Anyway, I paid for it full full on. It's twenty yeah, bucks, it's, and I think. It, and then there's uh, there's add-ons for it too, but it's yeah, yeah, it's twenty bucks just to get the application. So well, the reason I did it was because I saw the the film that they did. When they did the uh, oh here's the Windows here's here's the Apple eleven this is this just to stuff that up my butt yeah um, uh, here's this window oh wow look at this Apple product that's coming out and look at this film we made on Apple and it was like this film noir thing I thought it was really nice it was really cool and 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 of course 
talking about with the rainfall and all that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was really well done, and they, they did it all in Filmic Pro, and I was like, oh, I got to get my Apple, and I got to get my Filmic Pro. And then they said, and then they did this little interview where they had the, the two person using the two cameras. So she was on one side of the camera. He was on the other, or I mean on the, of the camera, or I mean of the, the, um, the phone. And so they were using the, she was using the selfie lens and he was using the other lens. And it was really good. It was really well done. Um, he was a musician. And I was like, wow, that's really well done. So I bought it and then I bought Filmic Pro and then I said, why can't I do this? And they go, oh yeah, that's not out yet. That was a, that was a, um, dummy, that's a beta. That, that, it's not even yeah. a beta for, for, yeah, for your use. That's... I went, oh, that was disingenuous. And then I went back and looked. And sure enough, in dinky little letters, there's super small letters yeah. that it's that it's not released yet. It's in it's in a um, testing. Uh, well, I mean, like they they did that with uh, they did that with ProRes on uh, Apple ProRes on the uh, iPhone Pro. Like they were like that the 12 Pro. They were like, oh, this is going to be available at launch, and, or not at launch, but they were you know they were saying like this is a new feature. And I'm like, I'm looking at the fine print. And I'm going. Yeah, but it's not going to be available probably for four months. I mean, yep. yeah, and I think yeah. it took until the April of the year after I bought my phone to get that. And so I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not. Look, it's a fifteen hundred dollar phone. Okay, it better perform, right? Um, but the fact is that when you buy this stuff, the one thing I want to be able to do is supposedly in filmic, you can also. Do all the editing right there. Uh, you can't really edit in Filmic. Filmic's not made for that. It, you can you can chop, but it's not made for like putting audio on it or anything like that. It's it's more or less just to make sure that your clips are organized. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, it's a powerful tool. If anybody in our group is looking, or anybody who listens to the podcast or watches us on YouTube is uh, looking for more information. You can find out about it from me on Facebook. Just reach out to me and I'll I'll uh, give you the lowdown. We don't have a big enough audience that that's going to inundate me. Yeah, and maybe no. if you give me enough uh, candor, I will do a short tutorial on it. I showed Jeff Biaziadecki how to use it. It took like 10 minutes. It, it Honestly, <laughs> um, I think the biggest hurdle here for everyone that starts doing this stuff is learning the basics and learning why point and shoot is not your friend because there are definitely times like, so if you ever watched a, a video where like they walk into a building and the lighting changes like drastically, that's because the camera's autofocusing and it's going, holy crap, we don't know what to do now. Um, and that's not desirable. You actually don't want your camera to do that. When you see that in a documentary, it's because like that was the only way they could get that shot. You know, that was the only way they were going to they were going to pull that off. It was a moment in time and they had to do it that way. Um, right. But I mean, you, you watch know. you watch these um, these things where somebody shows up at the door like uh, Mark. Mark Agnese shows up at, uh, uh, say, whoever. Uh, yeah. Whoever's door. Yeah. Bonamassa's door. They walk in and it looks good. That's because they stopped they filming. Shot up. Yeah, somebody standing there with a big thing reflecting light and like that's right there's a lot of stuff going on just outside the frame that you're not seeing um so i've been watching a lot of the gibson tv stuff um not because i received this i actually was watching this showed up and i was like for real um (laughs) because i was just interested in the artists and like i watched the joe bonamassa one what what great filmmaking they've got going on on gibson tv 
I mean, honestly, like all of the videos they're putting out are really, really well done. They're well filmed. They've got interesting content. Um, they're unapologetic. There's swear words in them. Like yep. it's not, it's not like they're trying to sanitize anything. They're talking about drugs and everything else. Like, and you're just kind of like left going. Yeah. Wow. They're using, they they're using like they yeah. get music. Cause that's unfortunately one of the parts of it, you know? Um, I've been yeah, really using F bombs. They're, they're, um, uh, the, the one that, uh, that really shocked me, uh, was the one where they did the guy that scored nightmare on Elm street. So they did a whole thing on the score for Nightmare on Elm Street, and I was shocked at how simple the score yeah. for Nightmare on Elm Street is. That's yeah, him. That's the dude. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and that's a famous. I'm looking to see. Like, is that a scratch? It's a very it famous. Like uh, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Anyway, it looks like a it, it's a very famous score from from horror film, and like you'll find yep. a lot of scores in horror film is like insanely simple. Yeah. Um, Goblin, who's yeah. did a lot, they scored a lot of Italian horror movies, and they're one of my favorites. And their stuff is like a little bit more complex, but like John Carpenter's themes are always very simple. Um, and uh, like some of them, I mean, of course, like The Exorcist used uh, was it tubular bells or whatever. Yep. And that was a whole thing. But um, I think for the most part, you'll find that, that that's a very interesting genre if you want to look at the music in it. Um, but yeah, no. so the, the Gibson Family of Brands YouTube channel, check it out. I mean, honestly, like there there's a lot of non-Gibson content in there, yeah. which is hilarious to me. When, when Joe Bonamassa <laughs> takes it through his house and he's pulling out like Blackguard tellies and like – yeah. Uh, I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow. And Mark was like, yeah, no, I love this. And I'm sitting there like, why wouldn't Mark be like that? I mean, yeah. he used to work at Norm's Rare Guitars. He goes into Norm's and like, it's like, I'm home, you know? Yeah. And they did the Norm episode and that was great where they went into that shop. Um, they did one at, at um, Rumble Seat Music as well, which was also very good. And he was yeah, candidly yeah. Trying, trying to buy stuff <laughs> in the video you know, and the guy politely tells him, no, that's not for sale. That's not for sale. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but you had to, yeah, you had to like the Bonamassa one where he, he was talking about, well, that was an unfortunate name. And I can't remember what the guy's name was, but it was like D's nuts or some ridiculous. Yeah. Like that. It was like, and, yeah. It was and it's totally like, like Harry Peters. And it was in his guitar. It was just in the guitar. Yeah. So he bought the guitar because the guy's name was some ridiculous, like Harry Balls. <laughs> or something yeah yeah <laughs> well, well he's got a couple of guitars that have like name stickers or badges or yeah. like scratch names into them and he's like well this is joe's guitar you know like, yeah <laughs> this is bob's yeah they didn't yeah. put their, they didn't put their this, last name it's just bob yeah <laughs> this is definitely belongs to bob <laughs> like, what the hell how is that I love- to anyone I love that. And I loved how he goes, yeah, now we're going to use the secret passcode to get into the uh, into oh, the closet. And it's right in his bedroom. You're standing in Joe's bedroom. Literally in his closet. <laughs> like, he doesn't have a vault or anything. And it's open the closet, and there's literally piles of cases from floor to ceiling. And you're just like, what's in there? And he starts, 59, 58, 60, 59. <laughs> you're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, yeah, and if you ever wondered where the, the cases of my guitars are, that's actually where they are, which I thought was hilarious because I have like this, um, I have one closet that I actually use, and then I have another closet. Um, there's a there's a little door, you pull it open, and all it is guitar cases. <laughs> that's where they are. 
So I thought that um, was pretty funny. But yeah, and he's like, I don't know what's in these cases. He just starts handing them out. It's like we'll just look through them when we get there. So um, we got uh, we did get correct we did get some corrections for episode two or three. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. Worth, so it's worth I'm gonna go ahead and give those out. And then yep. I'm gonna switch because I have a I have a technology thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Um and it'll probably take up the remainder of the episode. Yep. So um for episode two or three corrections, the HX Stomp now apparently does have the ability as a firmware 3.0 to actually do MIDI out now. Um, so the output jack for control is only for foot switches or expression pedals, so it will not change channels or reverb on an amp. Um, it will if your amp does MIDI control. Right, but if you use the standard quarter inch for right. um, control, and actually I will tell you right now, it does not do a great job when you do have the full size if you're using these guys um, because they have some kind of funky. Basically, theirs is not their their switching in there is not as full featured as an actual switching system. The no. ES8, no problem, just ate that thing. And then the Line Six Helix was like, "Well, you can switch the amp channel, but you can't switch the EQ on and off." I'm like, "What the hell?" Um, so. Of course, the solution, of course, that was in the Line 6 group was, well, if you're going to use the 5-band EQ on enough, why not just use the 5-band built-in? Because the 5-band that's built-in doesn't sound as anything like the one that's actually in a Mason Boogie. So, um, whole other conversation. We've talked about that on the show numerous times. Um, and then, of course, we talked about the soap bar to, with P90s. PRS has made three different SEs with soap bar pickups. Um, I was only familiar with the... the uh, because I there was like a time period for like five years where I just didn't did the look at any other guitars, and the Santana SE original soap bar was the one I was thinking of, but they they've done a couple of other ones. They did the Santana Abraxas, and then the soap bar two, which you know those were other guitars that they've done, and of course they did a core McCarty, but well, um, yeah. and that actually I think was the I think that was the genesis of why they did the Santana soap bar right soap bar. was because the McCarty existed. And, people were having desire for more p90s Probably. um i don't know the timeline on that i could be completely wrong on that but i seem to recall that um i got into p90s because i just kept seeing these big fat pickups and guitars when i first started playing i was like what the hell those sound like i played strats at the time and i was you know kind of going back and forth and i realized like it's just a strat pickup but it's louder <laughs> it's bigger <laughs> and it's more angry you know um so i that's what caused me to gravitate towards him, but um there was a correction from another episode a couple of weeks back too that i didn't mention on the show that i wanted to and i don't remember what it was right now so maybe we'll mention that in the next one um maybe oh i remember what it was the uh the atreides the way huge atreides they're not uh jhs is not building those they just got paid to do the initial demo way huge so that was like the whole thing. It was kind of, I watched the video twice. It's kind of misleading the second time I watched it. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, but but it totally made sense after after I watched okay, it. Okay, okay. I Somebody thought he was being me, asked like, to build them. Okay. No, 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 no. They were. Uh, That's my they, bad. They are, he loves them, but they're, okay. you know, but of course, have you seen Josh Scott's room? Like, um, I saw a, a panoramic shot of his space the other day, and it was like 360 degrees, pedals wall to wall you know i had no I, I thought it was just a backdrop i didn't realize that he had pedals on the right and left and in front of him as well that whole room is just completely covered um he's got the bucks 
Yeah. Uh, there ain't much in the stomp box world that he probably doesn't own. Um, well, yeah, he's got every version of just about everything. Um, and then some, he's, got I mean, the, he's got the first ever like serialized clone. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's nuts. Also, Derek Durant's posted this great meme. It was from Wampler. And he said, I just don't see the difference between all these overdriving distortion pedals. They all sound oh, yeah. And then it's like an iPhone that's like three feet long yeah. filled with text. And, and then it says um, Wampler. Yeah. It, I, it's it, perfect. And I commented and I was being a, I was being a jackass. And I said, I don't get it. I don't joke. get it. Yeah. I, I, I was like, it, yeah. like, I'm angry about this. Like, why would somebody yeah. say something like this? But, um, <laughs> I, no, it was, it was funny. I was laughing. I had to laugh because yeah, that's, you know, it's so funny. I, I don't get into it like that. I obviously, I just don't care if somebody like I'll I'll see, you know, how we talked about. um, uh, So I'll be specific. The Gibson forum, the Gibson guitar owners forum, I'll be in there and people will go, I don't know if I should get a classic or a standard. Which one would you get? I don't know whether to get a standard or a a 50s or 60s. Which one would you get? I don't know whether to get. I'm like, oh, my God, just fucking buy a guitar. For God's sake, just get one. And um, uh, then then they ask ridiculous. And so I asked asked the question, uh, something like, uh, I don't know whether to to have soup – with oyster crackers or should I have uh, and people literally answered the question like they thought I was serious I mean it was like well no oyster crackers aren't as good you should use saltines and do this I'm like I don't know whether this person knows I'm joking or if they just make some comment about uh, like I think I'm gonna have chili for lunch like yeah I was just like completely out of left field like okay I'll play the game, you know. I, I'll play this. Yeah, well, you knew I was joking, and I knew I knew oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew you were being joking. completely fun. You're like, we have to be like every other group now. Let's do this. And yeah. I'm like, I just started cracking up because I'm like, I know where this is going. Pineapple on pizza, baby. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there, yeah, there it goes. The worst why thing ever, people, by the way. Why do people get so mad when they don't get agreed with? When it's on that, I don't I'm know. Like, and it's always just... over so stupid. But that's the whole reason those questions exist is to like in like inflame the situation. Um, so I'm yeah, gonna sometimes st- I'm I do that. I inflame it on purpose. I'm gonna. Oh, I absolutely. <laughs> you saw that troll post I made last week. Uh, which which one was it that I sent you? Um, it was bad. Yeah, uh, I, I have it in there somewhere. Oh, somebody was they were they were comparing their katana with their Super Champ XD. Oh yeah, yeah. Super Champ X2, which is basically an XD, right? Um, and I owned an XD for a while. So I, I this guy was like, I just can't get those fat Fender clean sounds like out of my XD, out of my katana. And I was like, Wait, you're getting those out of your XD? <laughs> like, because I'm like, if you've ever owned a real Fender amp, like, what the hell are you talking about? Um. The XD is not a bad amp. I'm just saying, like, right, it's right. not an exemplary example. It is not, it, yeah. Of a Fender Fat Toad, okay? Um, <laughs> but it was it was so funny, and the guy got really butthurt. And I just I just responded to him. I was like, dude, I'm just messing with you. Like, let's be real here. Uh, you know, this amp is not the best on earth. Like, I think both of <laughs> know that. Um, but anyway, um, I was I was on... I was actually doing a live stream of video gaming this morning and this thing rolls across the, you know, the monitor next to me and it says tone junkie TV and it's an alert and it says modeling is dead. So of course I'm going to click on it. Right. Like, of course. I knew exa- 
we, we had HW on the show from from Tone Junkie, the Tone Junkie, right? And see, you guys are all sort of familiar. You know, if you listen to the show, you're sort of familiar with him. Um, and I clicked over the video, and I knew what I was getting myself into. Like this was going to be right, a thirty right. minute clickbait video about the future of modeling, and he had a really, really great conversation in this video, but I'll break it down for you. Give the Cliff's notes version. Cause somebody reached out to me this morning. He said, God, he's a gas bag. Like he just goes on and on. I'm like, I'm like, he's talking to himself. I'm like, you have to understand when you do one of these videos and you don't have a script and you're being completely passionate, you go off on bird walks. It's just what happens. Um, he goes to this whole thing about AC thirties in the middle of it. How like matchless and some of these new AC thirties, like oh it's 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 like a vintage AC thirty. He's like that none of them are anything like a vintage AC thirty. He's like not even the ones from the mid nineties that, that everybody was like oh these are the greatest. They, they don't sound anything like a vintage AC thirty. And so he's like always you know adamant AC thirty evangelist. Anyway, um, the purpose of this video, modeling is dead. Right, you think it's going to be a sales pitch for Tone Junkie profiles? It's really not. Um, it's a sales pitch for the idea, and and really talking about why these systems have been so successful from Kemper, right? And that is that it's a user generated community of people that are both buying and selling, and also making free profiles to fit every need. And he points, he makes a very, he but he pokes some really strong holes in the line six way of thinking. And that is, yeah, you've got these great models, but a, at least from the helix, they're not as good as anything you're getting in terms of profiles through Kemper. Um, but B, he says, when they decide to add new products to the lineup, and he, he gives a very specific example, which I'll go into in a second. I think it's, it's very telling. He says, they're not thinking about adding new models unless it fits their user base. And they, t- and they basically are just doing like a, uh, the mini, the many over the few kind of thing. They're looking at their user base and saying the vast majority of these guys are playing metal. And so we're going to add a metal amp, you know, um, or they, they know what their user base is. So they, they're looking at like, okay, so we have this many church players, which means we need to add a King of tone and we need to, you know, um, and that's how they're making the determinations about what their updates should include. Um, I think there's probably also some survey stuff there. I know they have a very big beta community that's kind of hidden behind the scenes. A lot of them have NDAs and stuff, and they can't really talk about um, what they're doing for Line 6 in terms of beta. But yeah. uh, it's a real interesting look at that. And what he basically says is that in the Kemperverse, and now soon to be joined by the Quad Cortex, the community controls what's getting produced. And I think he's got some very valid arguments to say that modeling is dead because he's like, I would be very shocked if the next Axe Effects product, which he's not totally up on yet. They have this new thing called Cygnus modeling, which they unveiled, which is basically them taking a shot at the fact that Cord Cortex is coming out with a new product. Oh shit. We got to come up with something to sell ours. Um, so they have this brand new modeling tech that they didn't announce before the Quad Cortex was announced, which makes me wonder they just pull this out of their ass and just trying to keep people interested most likely. Um, and 
which by the way, if you go over the fractal forums, apparently there's people already already excited about this, and then no one's heard it. They're oh my god, it's going to be the best thing ever, but you haven't even heard it yet. Um, and he goes on to talk about the quad cortex, and he says in his video, I haven't played this yet, and I'm excited about it, but I'm not going to say anything until I've messed with one. You know, and I think part of the video is, and I'll be real honest here, I think it was kind of him poking it at uh, the guys over at um, the guys that make the quad cortex. He's poking at me going, why didn't you send me one? And, you know, to, to all, here's here's the controversy, right? So everybody in the streaming community got one. Um, basically, if you're an influencer in the guitar community, they sent you a quad cortex. Um, Paul David's got one. Rhett Schull got one. Rhett Schill got one. Sorry, I, I mispronounced his name. It's Rhett Schill. Um, he got one. And uh, uh, who who else? Uh, I, I'm just trying to think. Like like I think uh, Ola got one. I think. But anyway, these videos are all going live, right? Pete like Thorn. I'm I'm sitting here laughing because I'm like, yeah. And you still haven't shipped a goddamn one to your to your customers yet, who paid in advance like a long time ago. Um, it's the same thing as the Spark. It ended up in influencers' hands, and they didn't need to generate any new sales. They sold out the first run. What the hell was the point? It was to get. It was to generate controversy. It was to generate publicity, right? And it won. And it went. It won. And it's going to do the same thing here. Um, I did watch. Paul David's comparison of the quad cortex and the Kemper. And I'd say that's probably the best one. I, I say, if you want to find out just what the profiling text and the quad cortex is like, that's what you need to go watch. I am totally glad I ditched my Kemper when I did, because after I watched that video, I said, ain't nobody buying Kemper right now. Uh, they're just the, the prices on those are going to drop like a rock. So if you want to get one, now's the time to do it. Or at least wait until the prices drop like a rock. You can follow them on reverb and then just buy, buy, buy until, you're happy and got a good deal. Um, but the, uh, I, I thought it was interesting because he was just pointing out that the community drives these products and that he doesn't feel like he's, he used to say like, well, I sell a signal chain. I sell a signal path that people could then use, you know, as part of my, that's what I sell. And then he was saying, no, I don't sell that. I sell an experience. I sell a weekend. I sell something for you to do on the weekend. And he said, I had a lot of guys that buy every profile just to, play around and just try them out and just see what you know this is what a 64 ac30 sounds like or this is you know this is the difference between a 65 deluxe reverb and a 66 um and while i totally support the idea that all of this profiles are that there's too many variables in the kemper to say that you could take the same amp give it to three different profiles and it's going to come out something totally different even if they use the same signal path because they're going to set the amp up differently. They're going to use different microphone positions. And they're going to record it in a different environment. And that's basically, like, in a nutshell, why sort of why I left the Kemper behind. Because I realized that those variables are very important. And the only part I really want to worry about is the amp. And so it made more sense to me to go to the architecture I'm at right now. And I got, I got into it with my, my uh, kid, my, my wife this morning, because I was told that my amplifier doesn't match or like that, that not doesn't match, but I was told my amplifier was like, it was a phase. The Kemper was a phase that I went through. And I said, well, no, 
And and of course, my wife she pointed out she says no, it is a face because she said there was a time when she's like you wouldn't have touched digital stuff, and she's like you would you know you'd have like a digital layer or whatever, but you wouldn't buy you were never going to have a digital amp. And then she's like then you went and you bought a Helix, and you were using the effects in it, and then that turned into using the amps. And then she's like then you went down the Kemper path because you wanted something better, and then she's like now you're back at real amps because you've taken the, the hybrid functionality out of it. Like I've used the cab models and the cab tracks and she's absolutely right. Um, she, she pointed out that like, yeah, I do definitely go through phases with this stuff. And, you know, I think everybody does. I think right now I'm a lot happier than where I was. Um, I haven't longed for like, Oh gosh, I need, I don't I haven't even gone to the, to the uh, two notes site since I bought my torpedo and bought cabs. I bought the Lone Star cab that I actually use that these two are Lone Stars. Um, and then that was it. I haven't even thought about it. It, it like if somebody sent me that, that um, the Mesa cabs were all on sale and I was like, eh. and then I kind of went, I don't really want to spend 150 bucks on this. I'm happy with the one cab that I use. The captor. <laughs> Just don't care. Um, so anyway, uh, long story short, this video is great. Modeling is dead. Um, I, I completely support what he's saying. I don't think modeling is dead in the short term. Um, he even mentions he thinks the next Helix is probably still going to be a modeler. But he, or not the Helix, the Kemp, uh, yeah, the Helix. Um, and then he was saying like Kemper 2 is probably right around the corner, which he's probably right. Um, they've been hinting that they've got something over in the Kemper group for a while but they have not made any official announcements. And I think that's because Kemper likes to make the announcement when things are shipping. Um, so maybe they're in production or maybe they're still in beta and they haven't pushed us out yet. Um, it'll be a big, it'll be a big deal when it happens. I, I, I was talking to, to Jeff today and uh, he's a, he's the digital modeling component or proponent. And uh, he doesn't think they're better than two bamps. Like let, let's make that real clear. He's, he's got a, a bad lander on order, um, which should arrive at the same time that my film work shows up. And um, he's, like I say, he's a big proponent of that. And he's kind of like, we've had conversations and I basically told him this. I said, I really thought the next generation, like the quad cortex generation, was going to be the generation where people were like, okay, uh, I will for 95% of my needs ditch my tube amps and maybe go to an all inclusive platform and maybe play in a quiet stage or a silent stage, depending on how it works out. Um, I'll be completely honest with you the sound clips I've heard from the quad cortex, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think we've got another probably two generations of this technology to iterate through before people are like yeah it's not that it's not enough of a compromise and i'm not going to do it whereas right now i feel like it's still enough of a compromise that for the diehards like me i it's a tough sell and i think that's sort of where tone junkie like he's making an assumption that most guitarists are willing to make the leap to a kemper right now i don't think the kemper sales are anywhere near the levels to sustain like oh yeah the whole market is moving in that direction i think the helix is probably the helix at some point we we said we heard numbers and it was like thirty thousand units sold 
and I'm sure there are 80 or 90,000 units at this point with the, with the HX stop, maybe even more than a hundred thousand units. Um, and they're using conventional modeling tech. The Axe FX uses conventional modeling tech and it has, it does have tone match in it, but it's basically pick the right model, pick the right model and cabinet for getting as close to the sound as possible. It uses some sort of algorithm to determine that. And, um, I think ultimately, I don't know how long Axe effects can continue to hold on. I do know their tech is really good. Like I, the FM three that I played was the only competitor to the Kemper, as far as I'm concerned in terms of feel and tone, but I, it's still like, you're still pushing, you know, a cabinet modeled output to a wedge on stage and pretending that's your real amp. And there is something to be said about the way that your real amp interacts with your guitar and the levels of sensitivity not being like stair steps. Um, you know, when you, when you play through a tube amp, it's not stair steps. It's, it's a smooth surface, um, in terms of how it treats the signal. And, uh, as good as this stuff is, it's still not good enough yet. We're not quite there yet. We're getting there. We're, we're damn close. They said, I really think I could make a pretty logical assumption that in two generations, if the amount of stuff that has happened in the last five years continues at the pace that it's at, there's really no reason for anybody to be using, you know, full on tube rigs for, for your average guitar player, right? If you're like me and you only really use a couple sounds anyway, you'll probably still stick to your, to your amps, but the, you're going to be to a point at, at that time where like, if you've got four different gigs you play in, you're going to want something like that where you can just program it and have one. I, I'm envious. Like, honestly, as I told my wife today, I said, I would love if I could be that guy with an Axe effects in a rack. And that's the only amplification emulation thing that I use. Right. Like I don't even own an amp. Like I just have my guitar and then an Axe effects or Kemper or whatever. I am not that guy. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I mean, I'm, I've tried it multiple times in my life. I've, I've been playing for 20 years and I had to admit defeat, you know? So when I heard, when he heard him saying modeling is dead, it was interesting because I'm like, well, I could see how people would get behind a user community based, uh, based platform. But I still think that the hurdles with profiling is the controls and being able to model the actual controls on an amplifier which you could do, right? You put in, like, let's say you pull up a, you pull up, you know, new profile, and then it asks you, like, what does your tone stack look like? Bass treble, bass middle treble presence, bass middle treble, tone, right? And then what you do is you, it, it would have to do combinations of, and so, like, you model it with the drive, you know, the drive, it, the drive, where you want it or whatever, or you could do it at zero and upload it to 100. So it could measure what happens. Maybe you have to do zero, 10 and 100 or zero, five and one, you know, halfway up and 100. So it could get a full idea of like that curvature. And then you would do like bass and treble controls at zero, you know, bass, middle, treble, everything at zero. And then you turn up the bass control to 10 
and then it models that, and then you turn up the middle control to 10, and it models that, and then the treble control to 10, models that, and then it says, okay, so that aside, now we want you to take the bass and treble controls, turn them to 10 to see what the interactivity level is, you know, and then we want you to take the bass and middle control, turn those to 10, and then the middle and treble control, because it's like it's only a finite amount of controls, so it's possible, but here's the here's the real problem with this, right? It's a back-end solution, and people think that, like, oh, my God, doing a profile with a Kemper is hard. I saw somebody say – Paul Davids actually said it in his video. When I make a profile with the Kemper, it takes time. I have to put my microphone – I'm trying to do my impression of him. It's really bad. You have to put your microphones in the room and get your amp in there and, you know, do this whole thing. And he, and he actually shows making the profiles. And it was funny because he, like, he gave points to the quad cortex because the profiling was easier. But I'm like – Dude, it takes like two minutes total for both systems. Like, it's ridiculous. It's so fast. It's absurd. And it's like, if so, what if you have to, if it takes you 15 minutes to make a profile instead of two? But then again, Jim, our conversation from earlier, some people just want it easy. They want it simple, right? Um, so I think, you know, maybe a legacy mode for, for these devices where you could do it the old way. Um, but I, I honestly think that that is the future of this stuff. I think he I think he hit the nail on the head. I think modeling, conventional like physical modeling, as Yamaha calls it, physical modeling is gone. I think in the long term, this stuff is getting so good for just being a facsimile of guitar in signal out. There's no point to continue with the other side of the other side of the industry, and I think they're all going to be racing to catch up. I just don't see. All right. I don't see a bunch of people modeling their stuff. What I see is, like you said, I see, all right, I want to buy 25 decent models. I don't want to spend my time modeling jack shit. I just want you to hand me a, a you know, a JCM 800 into a 4x12 AB cab. I want okay. you to hand me... Um, you know, with the with the bottom right speaker mic that's six inches off the cone and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and what he says is you will never get that from line six. You will never get that from Fractal. Right. He's right. And I'm, I'm going to take is. this. I'm going to take – you're right. I'm going to take this out of the guitar community for just a second. So, um, uh, like I said, I do collecting and I, I read – a lot of stuff. And um, I'm a comic book freak. You know, I'm a comic book. I, I grew up in comic books in the 60s and the 70s. Comic books. Um, and uh, he's right up in the, in the 90s. Now my kid collects them. Uh, and he has my old collection. So anyway, the comic book industry right now, Marvel and DC, who are huge, right? That, those are the, that's Defender and Gibson of the comic book. basically world. it. I mean, there's like a couple of other small companies, but it's basically them. <laughs> yeah, there's Image and then Dark Horse and stuff like that. But for the most part, that's your Fender and Gibson, you know? Right. Now, take that, all right, and um, you you put the, the Marvel and stuff over here. Now, they're not selling that well, with the exception no. of your, your Batman. Okay, that's your Les Paul. Batman is your Les Paul, right? Oh, you're talking about um, you're talking about DC, right? Right for DC, Spider Man right, right. is Spider Man is your Stratocaster. That's right. Yeah. Okay. 
um, you know, your your uh, your SG is uh, Superman or whatever. You know, yeah. so you got your you got whatever. your four big titles for DC. That's Batman, Superman. Um, you know, uh, geez, Wonder Woman, and Flash. Yeah, and Woman, Wonder Woman, and Flash right now. And Flash used to not be. Yeah, um, Flash used to be kind of low key, then, but right. And then you go over to Marvel, and you've got Spider Man, and you've got you know, uh, oh X Men, of course. Right, right. Um, and a couple other titles, and that's it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so if so, they're all mad because Keanu Reeves went over to Kickstarter and said. Well, I'm going to kickstart a, uh, a a comic book based on this new character that is based on loosely. Uh, what's the what's the uh, movie series where he's like a guy that got his dog got killed or something? And what about uh, John Wick, John Wick. So it's kind I think of John, John Wick, Wick. Is already a graphic novel, I think. Yeah, it's John Wick esque. It's not John Wick. If you look it up, you can you can find out what it's called. It's not John Wick. <clears throat> but it's John Wick esque in that he's a he's a butt kicking guy and he's you know he's very enforcer the enforcer type thing. So uh, anyway, he kickstarts this and it sells over six hundred thousand copies in the first like week, and uh, it's pre sold. So um, and they'll probably sell upwards of seven hundred thousand copies. Now I watch another thing comics. Uh, Comics Gate uh, group that has um, uh, um, the uh, Rainbow the Brute, and they do uh, Cyber Frog, uh, right? And stuff like that. Now those guys, um, those guys are doing great, and they're using Indiegogo. So this is, this is the same thing. So they're crowdfunding the comics. Yeah, which are selling wanted... upwards of a million dollars in in between their comics and their and their toys, they're selling close to a million dollars. This is just rights. and it works because they know what the opinions of their readers are. That's how it happens. If and that's you don't it, right. It, <clears throat> and this is what that's right. And this is what I don't want to get in the politics of it because there are some politics behind it. Yeah, but all but of the these comic companies right now are playing more politics than they are actually selling books. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, same with movies, same with TV shows. We could go on and on about all this stuff. So what's happened is they're listening to the audience. They're like, the audience is like, we just want compelling stories. We just want butt-kicking you know, stuff. We don't care what their politics are. We don't care what their sexual orientation are. We don't care about any of that stuff that the characters are. They can be anything you want them to be. Just give us a story that's interesting to read. And the problem is that that Marvel and DC and everybody else is signaling. And they're saying, oh, you know what? We're going to make all these characters. And look, it, it is this. I, I don't know if you've seen. They're, yeah. they're talking about changing James Kirk now. They're going to take, yeah. change Kirk into it. He's going to be gay. And it's like, oh, no. No, Kirk was not gay. And, and it's like, yeah. and, and of course, Nobody everybody's like, well, that's because you're homophobic. But in Star Trek, yeah. in Star Trek, nobody's going to accept that anyway. Because well, he had, I'm I'm like, he had on-screen relationships with people. Like that's, <laughs> they're never well, going is, to accept that. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is that it's not because people are homophobic. It's because that's not what that character was. If, if you, you want were, a char- gay character, introduce one. There's a plenty of characters you can introduce. All right. I, I don't want to go too down, too deep down this rabbit hole, but I have to yeah, make but, a comment about, about the Captain Kirk thing because that one just yeah. kills me. Yeah. You do realize that Star Trek is synonymous 
for being the show that like breaks the boundaries of all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Gay characters in Star Wars or Star Trek before that's even a thing. Before it was right? cool. Long. Before that was like it's nineteen you're talking about like nineteen sixty-five, you know, and you've yeah. got gay people running around on a TV that's series. Right. Soon. And you had the original episode or no, the original idea was that the captain would be female, right? Like that was yes. that was one of the things they were tossing around. Yes. And then the network actually put a stop to that. That's right. So then they wanted to make they wanted to make the the uh she wound up the va- the same character wound up being the, the um she was nurse uh, uh the nurse plus she was yeah. the voice of the computer by the way that's the, the second same woman right the second in command wound up being they wanted to make him black which is the yeah. original story and this is not one that I've I've heard told a lot but and the network was like no so they're like well what, they they did the they did the next worst thing because like Gene Roddenberry was kind of pissed at that point and right. they made. They made him a Jewish alien. I mean, right. Leonard Nimoy is the, the voice of Star Trek for a reason. That's right. Uh, and and they put Uhura. They were like, and here's Uhura. And she's going to be on the show so much. You're going to see her in just about every bridge shot. Yeah. You're and I think see her all that the was time. Totally a, we're going to shove it in your face. That was totally a big – to CBS. But that is not this today, right? So like – now you're talking about retroactively changing something. It was already progressive for its time to begin with. Yeah. Which makes so it kind of silly. And yeah, I they're remember trying to retcon this stuff. I remember. Yeah. Right. I remember watching um, next gen recently and then I will end and seeing the guy in season one, walking around in the dress. Yeah. And I'm like, see Gene Roddenberry got it. Cause you know, yeah. that was the last series that he was involved in. That's right. And like, I just, I, it's and that was also obvious. the same yeah. woman. That was Nurse Chapel that became Deanna Troy's mother, um, same actress. And she was the voice of that Star Trek, um, that Enterprise. Right. Um, well, so the other so the other franchise is his wife, this, by the way. This whole, this whole like the other franchise is fighting itself right now. Star Wars. OK, yeah. so you got Mandalorian by John Favreau and John Favreau has very publicly not been you know part of the Kathleen Kennedy camp. And apparently they're fighting internally now. And this is something I've been talking to my wife about. And I've been reading about it for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I just want Star Wars to be good again. Like as a fan, I don't care. And that's the same thing with the Kemper. And that, take it back. And I don't really actually care what the tech is. I just want right. it to be good. Right? right. And that's the problem. Everybody's like, ooh, look at the cool screen. It's color. Or ooh, <laughs> look at this. It's Paul David's in his video. I said he's got the best video because he shows the user interface. And he goes, well, this sucks. And this sucks too, yep. you know, and, and he goes through this process and you're like, so he doesn't necessarily, he's not, he, he definitely doesn't have skin in this game. Like I'm not going to do a positive review for positive review sake. I'm going to give this thing a fair shake. And even though he's an influence, he was given this product. Anybody who has it on YouTube right now is an influencer, right? right. Um, and another thing. So, so I made a comment in the group towards um, Robert Jackson right about influencers because you guys were talking about cvt and somebody else yep. and uh, music is win and they posted that video and I like i don't really want to go down the, the youtube generation thing again because we've done that enough on the show but but anyway if you're watching these guys on youtube and they're like all positive about every product they get and they're like being given the product maybe you should stop and ask yourself whether you should trust their opinion Maybe you should listen to somebody like Tone Junkie who's telling you, 
I'm not going to tell you what I think of it until I get one. Right. Because he's being brutally honest. I don't know what it's like. I've seen clips. They sound great in clips. But who the hell knows what it's going to be like when I get my hands on one? You know? Um, and he's basically, he's made it very clear he is going to be doing profiles for the quad cortex. Well, that is going to be one of the things that he focuses on. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it goes to anything these days. And it, and it is that you've got to listen to your audience and you got to, you got to, I call it reading the room because I, I used to do comedy and um, you've got to read the room. You've got to look out and say, is this funny? Am I getting a laugh? Um, because if I'm not, I'm not doing my job. As and when we, I was as playing, we did an hour's worth of talking about cameras in this episode, we did a real good job of reading the room. Let me tell you. Well, I think that a lot of I think more people are in, are interested I hope, in. That I hope than, some people got some stuff out of that. Yeah. I hope people stayed till the end. Um, and and I and I um and it comes down to like when you're a, a musician and you go out and you start playing, and are people paying attention to you? If they're not paying attention to you, you're not doing it right. You're not. You're not reading the room and right. uh it, it, it's just a it's a simple thing really to to look out at the faces that are out there and go huh am i reaching these people because you can be um uh i i recently heard a story that i had forgotten about um when uh john lennon met yoko ono and she was uh, a performance artist, um, and what she was doing was she was she gave everybody a pair of scissors in a room, and she was wearing a dress with nothing on underneath of it, and she said everybody gets a chance to cut a piece of the dress off. And so it, it, the um, and John Lennon was given a pair of scissors. He didn't cut anything off, uh, but it was it was all it, it, he kind of you know it was voyeurism whatever. But <clears throat> the point is, she could read the room because everybody knows she's not musical. She's horrendous. It's, it's hard oh, to yeah. listen to. Uh, yeah, um, she made money <laughs> off of the fact that she was married to John Lesnar. That's a yeah. whole other. I could do a whole hour or two on her. Like, I don't think she's necessarily a bad person. I just think she's got some very screwed up ideas about how the world, the way the world operates. I also think she's borderline. She's got some mental it's issues. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, she's but, been in and out of institutions her whole life, so <laughs> right. <laughs> but but the fact is that that she knew how to read a room. There are some some incredible right. artists who are who are <clears throat> um, just messed up individuals, but they know how to read a room. Um, and when uh, they learned or forgot how, that's when when things went south. Um, but. <clears throat> when it comes to, like you were saying, if you look at what happens with these products, this is why I, I, I did what was two weeks ago. We talked about um, stuff that doesn't does not excite me anymore. Um, I could care less about another Super Strat. I could care less about another Les Paul style guitar. I could care less about another Stratocaster T style guitar. I, could, I just don't care. Oh, look, I found another under $200 Guitar. Oh, let's unbox this another two hundred dollar guitar. That's an, uh, and uh, and I'm like, oh my god, the 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 world is sat. The the whole YouTube community is saturated with those because they're easy to do. They're cheap, and you can and you can, there's money behind them. 
And right now there's money behind them. And until they don't, until they stop making money and people stop watching them because they're boring, because there's, there's a thousand of them. No, never going to happen because there's, because there's TikTok of freaking guitar community stuff. It's not only that it's people are always looking for vindication and they want to know that what they have is approved, you know? And and that's, it's like Robert Jackson. Like, I want to be real clear. I wasn't calling Robert Jackson out in that post. That's part of the reason why I mentioned it. Um, Robert Jackson is an influencer, right? But when an influencer gets to the point where they're being given, given free gear in exchange for the good review, like if they don't say something nice, they're not going to get good, good gear anymore. Robert Jackson has made some pretty scathing comments about, uh, gear that he's reviewed before. Yeah. I think Robert's (laughs) been pretty forthcoming about, Hey, this is a sponsored thing. This is what I, you know, and the clickbait titles, like that's a whole other thing. But when I saw Music is Win reviewing a $75 guitar pick, it was like, wow, that was low-hanging fruit. That was that was a real that was that sounds like a really good idea. Like that yeah, that, that seems like you're bored and didn't have anything else to do, so you're gonna talk about a steel pick. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably probably one of the worst um that I've seen. Um Yeah, because he actually plays it up like, yeah, no, this is really exciting and and it's no, totally it's, fake, disingenuous. You could tell. Drop the video. And if it is a joke, yeah. like you did a really bad job of a joke because it's cl- it's not clear that it's a joke. Yeah, it's obvious that when it comes when it <clears throat> when a guitar co- pick comes in a in a nice velvet box, and you have a um, and you have a, a plastic um, you know folded thing that goes around the pick it's obviously for display purposes it's because you want to go oh look i've got you know and it's sterling silver so it has value and so oh look i've got a sterling silver guitar pick okay i get that you can go get a jeweler to put a little thing on it you can put on a pendant whatever um just realize that when you flake that sterling yeah when you flake that sterling off you're flaking off money it's like gold right um, so a piece of jewelry. it's not sterling silver, but yeah, I totally yeah. get that. And so if you look at this stuff and he, he plays it, I'm like, all right, come on. You, why did you take it out? And why did you play? Because you wanted, it was clickbait and, and it's all got to do with it. What did he do? He played a $5,000. He's like, Oh, I got a $5,000 pedal or, or no $15,000 pedal or whatever. Obviously it's a clan centaur. And then he goes, Oh, look, they, I got a clan centaur. Cares. And it's like, Okay, all right. You do realize, Tyler, that most of your audience doesn't have the money for that. Which they, is, a, they they have SD one money. <laughs> yeah, they, the the best you're going to get out of them is uh, you know a Strymon Sunset. Okay, that's <laughs> maybe maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I honestly have to take have to check myself like a lot lately because I see things like Vemoram. Running around. Yeah. Have you looked at Vemuran before? Their pedals. So, like, they make a pedal that's supposed to. I've heard is a is a clone of a Timmy, but um, it's called the Jan Ray. I don't think it's a clone of Timmy. Like, based on what I've seen, it doesn't look like a clone. But it is, I believe, five for a, just a four knob overdrive. How much? Five hundred. Oh, jeez. And there are people buying these things left and right. Well, now, do they do they sound any better? I have no idea. I have no frame of reference. 
But I can tell you, five hundred dollars for four knobs, you're getting you're getting sold a bill. You're getting sold a bill of goods here. All right. (laughs) Well, I thought that about the Klon when it was new, and I was looking at them, and they were three hundred fifty dollars. And to be honest with you, that's kind of like looking at a five hundred dollar pedal now. All right. Let me let me let me stop you there because the Klon at the time was like the only boutique overdrive. There was Keeley didn't even exist yet. Oh, I, know, I mean, I we're, talking, just... we're talking early nineties. So, looking at some now, that's the difference between Memoram and this, right? So let's 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 back up. Right. When you're talking about the only other pedals are maybe the only other boutique company maybe being way huge, which was like uh, also super limited run, low numbers, kind of expensive stuff. Like got into Tom Petty's hands and other people, and so kind of set up George Tripp's right. career. Um, the Klon was was so the, the whole goal of the the, the creator. Bill Finnegan was the first professionally designed and built overdrive pedal that was like made for professional touring use. That was kind of his, his thought behind it. And the prices were $279 back in 19, like 1991, 1992. When they started. Yeah. But I'm talking about when I was looking at them when they was late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. And they were like $279 up until they were discontinued. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. They were about 300 um, it, it just passed into, I believe in 2001, 2002, whatever, they were passing into the used category. Because didn't he stop making them um, by the time yeah, I looked they, at one, which would have been about... Uh, that would have been way later than that. If he stopped, I, maybe he stopped making I can look that up. Um, 2010, or, 2011, that's when I was seeing my first one. Yeah. And then they would have probably, you would have probably been seeing them at the value that they were like, after they were discontinued when they weren't yeah. super, they were originally, I, I misspoke. They were originally 225 bucks. Yeah. So they were in line with what boutique pedals. Cause right now you can buy a boutique overdrive for like 175 to 250 bucks. All I'm saying. Order. Yeah. All I'm saying is that if I had $300 or whatever, when I first saw my first one and I could have bought it, I would have bought it. Knowing what I know now. They were discontinued in 2009, by the way. So, I okay, mean, they were so discontinued. Was, recently than people seem to think they were yeah so uh, yeah when i fa- saw my first one 2010 2011 they were just discontinued i was right so and my buddy had had and still has one by the way he still has that same one um now i don't know what year it was from but i know he'd had it for a while a long while um but the fact is that what i'm saying is that um when i saw the centaur and i saw it for 300 something dollars i was like that seems like an awful lot of money and uh i think it might have been 400 close to 400 um when i first saw one that that somebody was offering to sell to me and i was like well, that seems like a lot of money i'd have bought it now if i'd have known that it was going to be a few thousand dollars well, now it's yeah they're there i think they're going for around 2500 bucks now yeah. um l- let's 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 but, talk about the clone okay but, i i've played a bunch of different clones and they're all fairly similar right they're not super different and there are a couple ones that are like totally off the beaten path um but the best one i played is the good time music one and that's made by i know who makes it i don't know if i should be saying who makes it um so i'm just gonna keep that under the rug if you want a cool one that's a cool one i've heard that that the liar one is really good um which has like a pyramid thing on it it's a cool looking pedal um but the the clod i I think it's probably the most overhyped pedal in existence. Well, that's not that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that it's a possibility. 
that this is the next thing. And and to to look at it and go, you know, be worth money. I, is it is it something that a real guitarist wants? I don't know about that. I mean, it'll be I worth know. money for sure. I think Ben Miranda. I think it'll be they'll be two thousand worth two thousand dollars when they discontinue them. I mean, I I, I own a King of Tone for Christ's sake. So I'm not I'm not any stranger to things being worth way more than they are when I paid for them. Um, but the reality is, I didn't buy a King of Tone to sell it. Like I wanted no, to I, use it, and I think that's the vast majority of people. That's not, yeah, that's not what I'm getting. At. What I'm getting at is we don't know, and so I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to put, put that into any. Pe- all I'm saying is I could care. What I was getting at is I don't care about all of these things. Another overdrive pedal. Oh, there's another transparent um, boost pedal. Here's another, you know, uh, uh, delay. Here's another reverb. Here's another. I don't right. give a shit. I cannot give a shit about any of that stuff. Seriously. I can't. Can I, can I, make, can I make the point I was where I was headed with the, with the Klon though? So in well, okay. the January, the, the Vimoran January. So what I was talking about when it's an overpriced pedal, it's got four knobs, right? Um, so it's kind of like a bad monkey, probably somewhere in that regard. Like it's got, you know, extra tone controls. It probably has a unique circuit. Let's be, let's be real. It probably does something special, but I also own one of these and this was 650 bucks. Now, here's what I want you to stop and think about. Each one of these knobs is like five bucks of labor and the actual component and all the things that go into it. So when you buy a four knob pedal at $400 versus a pedal with, I don't even know how many damn knobs and switches this has at 650, this doesn't seem so nuts anymore, does it? Whereas the Jan Ray is like, hey, I could buy this Kingmaker for 180 bucks. Or I can buy, you know, where the part, like, I'm just looking at it, like parts and labor, what goes into one of these devices versus like what it does. And the market is really about what it does. It's not, it's not asking the consumer to be wise enough to realize that it should be more than just what it does. It should be what it does plus how it's built, right? And the functionality and, and all of that. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm pointing out. It's like the Klon. One of the things that people don't realize about the Klon and why it was so special when it came out was because it had its own custom housing. And that was done so that the pedal would be easy to step on. You wouldn't kick the knobs. They picked those knobs because they were very precise. And if you marked your locations on the on the uh, the pedal itself, you'd be able to spin exactly to where you want to go. And, and it would be very clear where you were at. When you use a line versus a pointer, the line is harder to get pr- precise. Whereas the pointer... It's obvious, right? It's a point. Um, so that's kind of what they, there was a lot of thoughts given to that. You know, all these boutique pedals, this is another gripe I have. All these boutique pedals with the super bright LEDs. If, I, if it, I'm if i in a dark room and I often play with the lights off here, if I'm in a dark room and I'm playing and I look down and I can't see what the damn labels on the knobs are, you did it wrong. Use a freaking L- red LED. That's why everyone uses them. That's why the Navy uses them. That's why the Air Force uses them, because it's not going to blind you from actually reading the value. So please, please, don't make me put tape over your LED. Don't. I will. I've done it. I got Scott's tape. I'm just going gonna, gonna to tape over them all. But it's it's just so stupid. So Oh, so we can sell more because somebody puts a battery in it and the store goes, I like blue. I, I have that problem with my... Uh paisley deluxe by the way when i oh, turn yeah. the right side on i can't fucking see any of the the lettering yeah, it's because like, it's white it's like, lettering oh, underneath it's a huge black here. Light. <laughs> you know, you're like 
the hell? It's ridiculous. You could see it from space. It's red. Houston, we've got a bright light coming from Jim's house. I'm pretty sure he just turned on his crazy. Houston, we have a problem. I can't see any of them. And what's the other one? Uh, I think that's the only one, seriously, that makes it difficult. Because they put the lettering. They literally put, you'd have to look at it. The, the, The light is so here's a here's a chicken knob and here's a chicken knob right and then the light is right between them so when you fire that light up even in a brightly lit room this room's got an overhead light and that light and when i turn that thing on i can't see if you want one of these cool ultra bright bright colors just put one of those little things that goes over the top of the led on it inside the pedal why in the hell can they not spend the extra three pennies to put one of those covers on I, I, like like full tone does it? God forbid we talk about racist full tone. Uh, Brian do it. Brian Wampler, listen to us. That's that's the one thing I ask. All right, so so um, uh, I know we're getting we're long in the tooth on this episode for sure. So. Yeah, but this, this is what I was saying about the the pedal companies is um and the guitar companies read the room. Yeah, I mean stop. Stop it. Stop it. Yes, people are these all guys, excited. These guys, this you know what they did read the room about? They read the room and said, okay, you know what? People just want a standard Les Paul, make a standard Les Paul. They, they have not quality. in they, three years. Quality. Yep. Three they're years. They're going to try hard. They're working harder, and they're, they're not changing the Les Paul. They're not changing the SG. That thing has stayed the same. The 335, you've got the 335, the 345, and the 355. They're, they're reading the room. They're saying, okay, that's it. And um, not making those changes. There, there are ones you can get, but they're not. that's not the change that they're going to make. They said that's what people want from us. They want the quality instrument, and they want it done right. And the more of them we make at that quality, the less we have to learn how to make the same damn guitar over and over. And yeah. I- I, I mean, we, I don't want to get back to, to what we talked about in the other episode, but um, I think ultimately that's where we're headed. I think yeah. we're well, they've already made the changes to the model lines. Now they just need to fix how they're doing their fretboards. Because right. I've seen – you're not the only one that showed me pictures of fretboards where the the binding is, is like got machine marks in it and that the fretboard itself has lines in it in some of them where it's like, what the hell? They have these horizontal lines where somebody hit it with a file or something while they were working on it, and they didn't bother to steel wool it out or anything. It's like, you let that come out of the factory that way? Uh, Robert yeah. Baker had one, and he did a review saw, of it. It was an SG, and it had streaks in the damn fretboard where they I saw his. Read, read my comment on his. I saw it. I yeah. I wrote a comment on his. This is – um, we we could go more in depth next time because we're over two yeah. hours. So I'll just I'll just oh, yeah, end it sure. with this. I'll just end it with this. If I want precision, I'll make I'll look for something made by a machine. I realize that human beings are gonna are going to leave little things. They're very small and they're and they're still hard to see and you don't feel them. Now that said, um, you know some people have a different expectation than others. 
But I think that's that's a good topic for next episode. Let's talk about I, making yeah. things by machine versus by hand. Because because there are some really, really yeah, there are some really really great stuff that are made by machines that have absolutely no flaws in them. Um, well, I just I, I actually I, I just think that people don't realize how much of a machine made guitar is actually still made by hand. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and that's something we should talk about too, because there are things you cannot do with just a machine. There's no question about it. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, um, I mean, I'm just saying, Jim. I, I would love. I don't know what brand you're going to bring to the table, and I and I don't want to hear about it because I I, I want to have yeah. the honest conversation on the show. But I don't know of a no, single brand that makes yeah. the guitar from from you know nuts to to uh, finished product all out of. Uh, yeah. a machine process so that would be interesting yeah. to, to yeah there's about. a lot of processes that that happen by hand that yeah we'll we'll talk more about it because it, there's some stuff you've got to be able to say okay you know what that's because a human being was there and uh we're gonna we're gonna have to either you accept it or you don't like it and if you don't like it it's just like anything else if, you know if you don't like new balance you can always buy nike if you don't like the mike you can buy adidas if you don't like adidas well, i mean the only the only thing that I wanted I wanted to say about your reaction to Robert Baker's video though is like I I totally get where you're coming from like yeah it's just a, a market a human was there but I also think that the quality control process should have prevented that from happening that that should not have gone out the door that way and I've I seen other guitars like it since then so yeah well, if you I go look on yeah I think so. I think that that's that's um, a mark of the process but. Anyway, so we're link, we're link the, link the video in the comments for this episode so that so that people can go watch it because I think it's worth I think it's worth exploring. So yeah, um, it's two oh four. So um, we're gonna call it. Uh, yep. I, I've been I've been Jim. I've been David. This has been the Practical Guitarist. Let's cue the music. Oops, not that. <laughs>